Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week James Lowen, whose books include Lies Across America, What Our Historic Sites Get Wrong, Lies My Teacher Told Me, uh, both of those I have read and highly recommend, uh, Sundown Towns, A Hidden Dimension of American Racism, and also The Confederate and Neo-Confederate Reader. Uh, earlier this year, James Lowen spoke about this topic of taking down Confederate monuments, uh, both in Richmond, Virginia, and you can watch that one on C-SPAN's website, and also here in Charlottesville, Virginia. And a couple of years ago, he wrote an article in the Washington Post called, Why Do People Believe Myths About the Confederacy? Because Our Textbooks and Monuments Are Wrong. James Lowen, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. I'm happy to be back in Charlottesville, as it were. <laughs> yes, uh, from a safe distance, I guess. Yeah. The, I should mention also, uh, James Lowen's website is sundown.tugaloo, T-O-U-G-A-L-O-O dot E-D-U. In light of what's just happened in, in Charlottesville, what about Confederate monuments? What are How are they misleading us? What myths are they spreading? Sure. Well, we have to realize every monument, whether Confederate or not, is a tale of two eras. It may be even more than two, uh, but at least two. It's a tale of what it's about, and in the case, of course, all Confederate monuments, that would be 1860 to 65, and it's a tale of when it went up. And most Confederate monuments, including all of the ones in Charlottesville, and there are several, uh, went up between 1890 and 1940, and that's pretty much true across the United States. Um, Well, what happened between 1890 and 1940? actually has a name, and the, the name for that era is the Nader, some people say Nadir, N-A-D-I-R, it's of course a word, it means low point, uh, the Nader of race relations in the United States. And during that period, race relations actually got worse and worse and worse. Uh, we start off in 1890 with three terrible events, uh, all of them at the end of the year. Uh, one of them is what used to be called the Battle of Wounded Knee, now it's more accurately known as the massacre at Wounded Knee, when Native people, of course, get fired upon by the United States Army with two uh, machine guns uh, after they've surrendered in South Dakota, um, and uh, they go to their Nader for sure. They, they lose the last shards of their independence, and uh, terrible things happen to Native people between 1890 and 1940. Uh, the second thing that happens is the uh, state of Mississippi passes a new constitution Uh, There's nothing wrong with its 1868 Constitution, except that it lets black folks vote. Uh, Of course, only men were voting. um, And in 1890, the white Democrats, who were, of course, the overt party of white supremacy, a lot of people don't realize that today, but the Democrats were the party of white supremacy in the 19th century, called themselves the white man's party. Uh, They passed a new Constitution, the express purpose of which was to prevent African-Americans from being citizens, from voting, from running for office, for, from uh, being on juries, and so on. And they did. And it, this was in direct defiance of the 14th and 15th Amendments to the Constitution. Uh, but the United States didn't do anything about it. And seeing this, every other southern state, uh, including Virginia, of course, and even states as far away as Oklahoma, follow suit by 1907. So uh, the third thing that happened was the uh, United States Senate failed to pass 
more or less by one vote, um, the Federal Civil Rights uh, Voting Rights Act of 1890, called the Federal Elections Bill. Uh, it had passed the House. It would have been signed into law by Republican President Benjamin Harrison, but it fails in the Senate by a vote. And uh, after that, the Democrats tried to tar the Republicans, as they always did. Uh, you people ain't nothing but a bunch of, and yes, of course, they used the, the N-word of nigger lovers. And the, Demo- the Republicans in the past had replied, well, somebody has to stand up for these people. It's an outrage what you were doing every fall election in the South. But in 1891, they made a new reply, and the new reply is, no, we aren't. And uh, they moved on to other issues. And so African-Americans are without political allies, pretty much, uh, beginning in 1890. Depends a little bit later in some other states like North Carolina. Well, as a result, um, the, you, know, you put up statues when you win. And, and when I'm speaking about these matters, and I, I did speak in, Charl- in Charlottesville, and I speak coast to coast, um, I state, and I'm not doing it tongue-in-cheek, I tell people I'm not joking, um, the Confederacy, or I really have to say the Neo-Confederates, won the Civil War in 1890. Now, I know it ended in 1865, but in 1890, they expressly won, as I've just explained, what it was about, and they got to rename it. It becomes, for the next 50 years, north as well as south, to a considerable degree, it becomes the war between the states. Now, nobody ever called it that while it was going on. Uh, This is a complete anachronism. Uh, They got to relabel what it was for, and many of these Confederate monuments are flatly wrong. They say our cause was was states' rights. That's flatly wrong. Uh, They were against states' rights, and they said which rights they were against as as they left the Union. Yeah, so you've, you've, that's you've, the, that's why we got to get rid of them. That's one reason. Yeah, just uh, just briefly, you've written well about this. It was actually northern states that were sticking up for states' rights, and southern states that were opposing it. Can you can you that's explain right. that? That's right. Well, for example, um, the state of New York uh, is becoming somewhat anti-slavery, and at the very least, they come out now against what we might call temporary slavery. Uh, it had been that let's suppose you're a rich white planter from Charlottesville, and uh, it gets hot and muggy in in Charlottesville in August, and you want to go see some Broadway plays. And so the two of you, you can be of either gender because let's say you're married, uh, the two of you go up to um, uh, Manhattan, and you don't want to cook your own food, you want to bring your cook along. Well, New York now says, "Uh uh-uh, we're trying to run a free state here. If you bring your enslaved cook to New York, she goes free. Well, people in South Carolina particularly, they seceded first. They're outraged at this, and, and they say so. And that's a state right that New York has, but they don't like it. Right. Uh, they're against uh, New Hampshire. New Hampshire lets black folks vote. Uh, well, it turns out that a number of states let black folks vote. By then, it's only ones in New England and kind of New York. Um, but it's none of South Carolina's or Virginia's business who votes in New England because voting was a state's right until the 15th Amendment gets passed, which is, of course, during Reconstruction, and that's two whole eras after what we're talking about. We're talking about secession in 1860-61, before the Civil War and before Reconstruction. So it's nobody's business, but South Carolina and, and the other states make it their business. They think this is an outrage. And if you think about it, it is in the sense that uh, Taney, Justice Taney, has just decided a couple of years earlier the Dred Scott decision, which says 
black folks got no rights that white folks need to respect. And here we got these states that are letting them vote. So this flies in the face of, of white supremacy, which is, of course, the underlying rationale for slavery. So it's all about slavery and all against states' rights. Yeah. Here in, in Charlottesville, my understanding, you correct me if I'm wrong, the, the statues of Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson uh, were not put up at the end of the Civil War, were put up in the 1920s with, that's the, right. with the money of a... for the Lee one. Uh, All of with, them. I mean, that's true everywhere, just about. Um, Virginia is a really interesting laboratory in this regard, because uh, perhaps the two most famous uh, Civil War-related statues in the state are the one called Appomattox in Alexandria and Robert E. Lee in Richmond. And they were put up right uh, near each other uh, in time. In 1889, Alexandria puts up the one called Appomattox. Well, this is a statue of a Confederate soldier. He's got his arms kind of folded in front of him. He's looking downcast. He's looking pensive. And it's a statue about the dead. And the first statues that went up right after the Civil War, and this is one of the last of those, um, were about the dead, and they were, I don't have any problem with them. They're mourning the dead. Uh, this one lists all of the uh, people in the Civil War from Alexandria who died. It also lists one other guy who uh, was never a member of the Confederacy, uh, of the Confederate Armed Forces, but that's another story. Uh, I've told that story in Lies Across America. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's, so this is a statue mourning the dead. Uh, and that's why he's looking downcast, thinking about him. Yeah. The next year, Richmond puts up Robert E. Lee. Now, this is not a mourning statue. This is a triumphant statue. He's on a big horse. His horse is triumphant. He's triumphant. He's way up there on a pedestal on a huge um, granite, I think it is, maybe marble. Plinth. He's up there. We're supposed to look up to him. We are the are his subjects. He's He's triumphant. Well, that's a statue of the Nader period and all of the rest of them that then go up like yours in Charlottesville in 1924. That is expressive of the white supremacy of the Nader. The thing is, I've spoken with a lot of people in Charlottesville, and I've never found one who didn't have a decided, definite, certain opinion what that statue meant. And I've never found two who agreed in any way on what it meant. You know, we've got we've got those who say it's a defense of uh, veterans and war sacrifice. Those who say it's a monumental glorification of racism. Those who say it's a uh, you know private wealth that put it up. No, no public democracy decision, those who say that well, those, Robert E. Lee looks sad, so it's actually mourning the dead. I mean, yeah, you can't right. find two people who agree. How do we convince people that it's about uh, what you say it's about, which seems to make sense about the period of the Civil War and about the the people who put it up when they put it up? Well, I, I think that there aren't that many uh, different opinions, and, and some of the, the, the things you were uh, pointing out are, are complementary that is to say, uh, it certainly was a private donor who put it up, and, and the same donor who donated the whole darn park to the city. And, and I have no problem with him donating the park. Uh, but, of course, I do have a problem with him donating the, uh, the statue. A, lot of, uh, a number of these uh, Civil War Confederate statues are, are, came about the same way. Uh, Baltimore has this very famous statue. Uh, it's supposed to be very good... Uh, aesthetically, uh, of two of of Lee and Jackson, their final meeting 
which allegedly took place on, they're both on horseback, at least that's how they're always pictured, uh, just before the Battle of Chancellorsville. And, of course, uh, Jackson gets fatally wounded by his own men, as I remember, uh, at that battle. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a double, it's called a double equestrian monument in Baltimore. And it was put up by this guy, uh, this rich guy. Uh, but the problem with it is, uh, even though it's put up by private money, it is, of course, now public. And all of these statues, yours too, are defended by the public. That is, your Lee statue got um, Black Lives Matter painted on it earlier this year. And it was the city then that is called to uh, unpaint it. And they did have to take off the paint. You could still apparently see it kind of vaguely. Uh, I didn't notice it when I was in, when I looked at the statue, but then I didn't really, uh, hadn't been scheduled. Nobody told me about it, so I didn't look for it. Uh, well, uh, there's a whole lot of city money that was expended this last weekend, partly to defend the statue in a way, if you will, to maintain uh, the degree of law and order that they tried to maintain there, and, and so on. Or to put it another way, these statues are going to be a drain on the public funds from now on for the rest of time, because they can no longer unify the community. The only time when they could really unify the community was when black folks were written out of that community between 1890 and 1940. And, and then that writing out lasted some more time, of course, both in, in uh, Mississippi, which passed the 1890 Constitution first, and in uh, uh, Virginia, where they were still closing schools to avoid integrating them in the 1960s and even into the 70s. So you have the phenomenon that black folks, and for that matter, a lot of white folks, uh, are now not fans of the Confederacy. They now realize that the Confederacy did indeed secede on behalf of slavery and on behalf of white supremacy. So, and so now we have the situation in which the city is called upon to use current tax dollars to defend the position that we should look up to these leaders of the Confederacy, Jackson and Lee. It's yes. not going to work. It will never work again. Yeah, and, and there, there's no argument with them spending that money from the people whose chief argument against getting rid of the statue was that it would t cost money to take it down, which was sort of silenced by the city's uh, decision to sell it. But uh, I, I take it you agree with me that these statues should come down. What's your response to the most common objection shouted at me and others uh, for months now, uh, which is that we're against history and we're, yeah, erasing, we're, we're history. erasing history? How do you yeah. reply? James Mullen. Well, man, I got my reply together on that matter. Sometimes I don't, but in this case, I was asked that on uh, uh, National Public Radio, their famous evening news program, All Things Considered, uh, several months ago, and anybody can find it easily enough by just typing in James W. Lowen and probably National Public Radio. Um, and uh, uh, the, the interviewer asked me uh, just that question. And I said, well, now, what does, in, in, I'm going to transmogrify the answer for, to make it for the Lee statue. He asked me about the um, uh, naming a highway, the, the famous uh, Jefferson Davis Highway that starts really in Alexandria, uh, Virginia, runs the length of Virginia, then it goes down and across Mississippi where Jefferson Davis lived, and then it runs clear over to Los Angeles and up to Seattle and even hits the Canadian border, and Jefferson Davis never had anything to do with any of that. But he's got his name on the highway. Uh, well, I guess I'll finish on, on Jefferson Davis. What does that name on the highway tell us? It doesn't even say that he led the Confederacy. Uh, that is, of course, why it's named for him. Um, what it says is, he was great and we should honor him. That's all it says. 
if you know the James Jefferson Davis Highway. So I think we should take his name off the highway and put up a, a marker in Alexandria, another one in uh, north of Seattle, and say, this used to be the Jefferson Davis Highway. Here's when and why it got named for him. And we talk a little bit about the nadir and how bad race relations were in the 20s. That's when that happened, too. And here's why we took the name off. And Alexandria, incidentally, has already taken the name off uh, of the Jefferson Davis Highway as it goes through that city. And the same thing for for Lee. Uh, It's not as if Lee's going to be forgotten, but the Lee statue doesn't tell us anything except that he was um, on a horse. Uh, He was a Confederate general. I might say that somewhere. Uh, And he was great, and we should look up to him. Well, if you take it down and put a historical marker saying, this used to be Lee Park, and right here is where there was a big statue of Lee, which is now, and you can tell where it's been taken to. I would put them all in a park, a park about the nadir. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, whatever it ends up, you can say where it went to, uh, unless it got melted down, in which case you say that. And then you say why it got melted down and when. Well, that historical marker tells a whole lot. It talks about uh, not only the Civil War, but also when it went up and when it came down. Uh, so that's the answer to the whole business about uh, erasing history, namely, just put up a historical marker where it was. Yeah, I, I you know, my resp- I, I agree with your response. It's perfect. I, I also often respond to that, uh, that shouted uh, demand that 99.9% of Charlottesville's history uh, is not in uh, monumental statuary. That That is, we have uh, nothing about anyone not connected to any wars. We have nothing for peace, nothing for about slavery, nothing about the Native Americans, nothing about segregation, nothing about civil rights, nothing about women's rights, no educators, no well, artists, no athletes. you do no have something about Native like, Americans in a way, because you've got <laughs> a statue of, of one of the number one um, opponents of Native Americans who, who went west and and uh, destroyed a whole bunch of them, do you not? There, there is a uh, statue of George Rogers Clark, uh, a triumphant pro-genocide <laughs> statue. There is also a statue of Lewis and Clark, a relative of aforementioned Clark, with Sacagawea, the only non-white male in a statue yes. in Charlottesville, who's kneeling at yes. their feet like a dog. Uh, yes, I know. But, it is amazing. I've seen them all. Uh, uh, well, you, you know, some of those may be at the very least need a good historical marker, just pointing out that. I mean, for example, in, in um, San Francisco, right next to the, right in this big square at the public library, there's what's called the Pioneer Monument. Yep. And damn if it doesn't show a Native American, almost supine, kind of lying down underneath the pioneers that are about to walk all over him. And uh, Native people didn't like that too much. Well, finally, what they did is they helped put up a big, um, marker that is kind of built now built into the to the statue in a way and tells the whole history of native people in California after that after that statue uh, after the time of that statue that is after say 1848 making the point that there are still native people in California and, and what's what they suffered during the gold rush time and but then on the other hand what they are still accomplishing now so, you know, that's something that maybe um, uh, after we get done with dealing with with uh, Lee and Jackson in, in Charlottesville, maybe folks can, uh, shall we say, contextualize uh, the, the Clark statue. 
Uh, I certainly hope so. Uh, James Lowen, we, we have a city here that's that wants to take down the Robert E. Lee statue, but we have it held up in court by a state law that uh, forbids, and may or may not apply to this statue, that forbids taking down any war monuments. Uh, and we have... Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that, but I knew you had it. I knew it was held up. It's, uh, it's two it, different states, yeah. Alabama and South Carolina, have recently passed such laws because they don't want any more attacks, the white neo-Confederates in those states don't want any uh, recalcitrant cities like Charlottesville right. uh, taking this kind of action in South Carolina or in Alabama. And well, I'm an expert witness in a case in South Carolina where, where the issue is a World War I monument. And in this case, it's in Greenwood, South Carolina. The World War I monument problem is that it lists the dead, it's a perfectly reasonable statue mourning the dead in World War I, but it lists them with the Caucasians first and then the, the Negroes, shall we say, second. Yeah. And the same people who put it up, the, the folks connected with the American Legion, are now embarrassed by that and don't want it perpetuated. They're not racist anymore, at least they don't want to be, and uh, they want to make it alphabetical. And they can't do it because of this statewide law that you can't mess with any uh, military statue, or maybe any statue. Well, this uh, is the case in Charlottesville, though the New York Times, the local press, and everyone in between, and both sides of the argument uh, strictly avoid mentioning it, uh, because they're all for war monuments, or they're at least not against them. They, they, but this is, you know, the reason the Lee statue is still there is not because the racists rally around it. It's because legislators in Richmond glorify war, and you have a state law that says thou shalt not take down any war monument uh, applied to a city which happens to have nothing but war monuments, so you couldn't take down any war monument in Charlottesville, any monument in Charlottesville, uh, and of course we have no law forbidding taking down peace monuments, and also no peace monuments to take down if we wanted to. So, well, you, is know, there, if you make a good point, uh, it, and, and I, I have just learned about you and, and your website, and I noticed how you make that point very effectively at your website, and it's a point I've been making that across the United States, not just Charlottesville, of course, uh, but when you look across the United States, you see that our entire public landscape, uh, it, just about all of it, uh, implies that the only thing that ever happened across this country is a bunch of wars, you know? Um, and there have been some other things that have happened on occasion, you know? We do have a couple of great architects, and, and we have some fabulous composers, and uh, we've done some other things when we weren't busy shooting at other people or shooting at each other. Exactly. Uh, it's hard to learn about it from uh, from what we put up. What, what do you think uh, uh, in terms of actions uh, around the country now? I know you talked about this statue in Baltimore. They're talking about taking it down. Richmond has started this conversation. It seems like in New Orleans, the, the mayor actually got on board and pushed for taking down the statues and explained why. I would have loved for Charlottesville's mayor to do something like that. What, yeah. Well, what, it's kind of interesting. Charlottesville mayor, as far as I can tell, seems to have reversed earlier position just in the last two days. I hope we'll so. See. I, I, we'll see. I, I, I it's hope interesting. so. I mean, uh, one, of the, one of the problems, of course, with um, uh, the Ku Klux Klan and the, and the uh, Heil Hitler Nazi people is they are so extreme, just like Dylan Roof, that they give a bad name to whatever they support. And um, they, they, I've been arguing against our pro-Confederate landscape for the last 20 years. And I have to tell you that it was Dylan Roof's murders in South Carolina that got so many people on board to doing something about it. 
so uh, I'm not in favor of um, uh, killing people on the uh, who are good people uh, to to uh, make a make a cause to taint a cause. I don't. I, I think it's too bad that we can't just uh, think it through and uh, and then work on our landscape with absent anything else. But it does seem to me that we that Charlottesville is reaching a, a tilting point here, and that in fact the the community is going to uh, remove at least these two monuments after they solve the legal problem. Uh, well, they they voted to remove Lee and keep Jackson, and the court is holding them up on Lee. So Jackson yeah. will be another step for the future. But but what well, would you I, recommend that go in their place? You know, empty grass. And what did you recommend well, as to I Richmond? Well, the first thing would be a historical marker talking about not only the the monument. Uh, but what it stood for and when it went up and what that stood for and then when it came down and what that stood for. Uh, I think that would be great. And and then if we want to get, start getting creative and start thinking about, uh, you know, who are the... This, when, when, we, when we put up a monument in so many towns or when we name a street for somebody black, let's say, who do we name? It's Martin Luther King, even though the street might be Dubuque, Iowa, you know, or... King never went there. Right. Um, the same thing for the Italian Americans. You know, they—I uh, was just in Philadelphia over the weekend, and they have a big statue of Columbus in Philadelphia. Well, I don't think Columbus ever actually got to Philadelphia. You know, um, I'm more in favor in this case of the Sylvester Stallone statue in Philadelphia. At least he's Italian American and is from uh, from Philadelphia. I think we would enrich our history if we looked a little more local and and said, you know, this person. Uh, and you know who really gets left out, and it's just ironic. We have almost no statues or historical markers or anything anywhere for white people who actually did the right thing with regard to race relations. And there's a bunch of such people. I would point out William Mahone in Virginia, who presided over the war crime known as the Crater during the Civil War, where surrendered black troops were massacred. But then afterward had a change of heart, came to realize that equal rights for all was, was correct, and uh, did some really good things uh, right around the time that the Nader set in. Until And in fact, he's one of the reasons why it set in, because Democrats got really alarmed at people like him who were making common cause with African Americans for racial progress and economic progress for everybody. Well, how can you find this out about Mahone? Uh, there's only one historical marker about him, and it just says he was a railroad magnate, you know? Yeah, but it's so we got we got white heroes too. That uh, I mean, how can we expect people like this guy who drove the car into the protesters to know anything about white anti-racists? We don't talk about in our history books and in our, on on the landscape. So we've got a lot of work to do, and I think that. Uh, Maybe the, in, in a place like Charlottesville, you can start doing it. That would be great. Uh, it's a very, very important point. Uh, I, I certainly hope we can. We've just got about a minute left. I, in, in terms of Richmond, Virginia, where they have a whole street of giant monuments of Don't they? Confederate generals, it, it seems like with a real human being, like the one you just mentioned, there's good and bad to them. You almost don't want to make them into gods. What, what, do, we, what do we replace the, these monumental heroes with? Well, I've got several suggestions for Monument Avenue. Uh, it's another example of what I was just talking about, though. You end up with white supremacists, white supremacists, white supremacists, there's five of them, maybe six, and Arthur Ashe, right. black humanitarian, you know. Well, this, again, doesn't give a white kid growing up much to identify with, and I think we need to change that. So I suggest that you can add this room on Monument Avenue. Uh, I even 
suggested a specific place uh, to add Elizabeth Van Lu, uh, who was a uh, white unionist and anti-racist during the Civil War in Richmond and did some fascinating things, add her on one side of an intersection, looking across the intersection to Mary Bowser, who was an African-American woman, her slave whom she freed, and who then became a, a spy within the Jefferson Davis uh, White House of the Confederacy. Wouldn't that be cool wonderful. to stick in next to them, these other guys, you know? And wonderful, I've got some other wonderful. suggestions for Monument Avenue for another time. We, we, will, we will continue this on a future show. James Lowen, I'm sorry we're out of time. His website is sundown.tougaloo.edu. Get his books uh, and check out his website. Uh, James, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. It's been my pleasure. Carry on down there. Will do. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.